Hi, this is Lori, your host of Happiness Hangout, a space to come and elevate your happiness levels. You, me, and our guests will discuss and help you apply happiness to all aspects of your life, even if you're already happy. Get your daily boost of information to help you feel your best. Well, hi, everybody. This is Lori Peters at the Happiness Hangout. So glad to have you uh, this evening on our show. And I'm doing something a little bit different I've never done before. As you know, we talk on this show about relationship happiness. And uh, there's a lot of topics we can really get into and have. But what we've never really done is talk about happiness and relationships as it relates to money, finance, and budgeting. Because as you know, money issues are one of the top reasons that people end up leaving each other and divorcing in a relationship. So I really wanted to uh, bring an expert on who could discuss how we can deal with these financial issues, um, whether it be uh, during a wonderful relationship or if, unfortunately, it's when a divorce is occurring. So with that being said... Um, today, I have Michelle Jacobic on our show, and she is an expert in money, business, and finance. She's a highly sought-after budget coach. Her financial solutions and divorce support, support programs have successfully led individuals around the country in rebuilding their financial foundations. She is also the author of the newly released book, Prosperity After Divorce for Women, Take Charge of Your Finances and Create the Life You Really Desire with Lifestyle Redesign Planning. So, Michelle Jacobic, financial relationship expert and budget coach, welcome to the Happiness Hangout. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you so much. That's a great introduction. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. Well, it's so good to have you. And and I thought it was very interesting, interesting that, um, you know, people often call themselves financial planners, um, money coaches. You also add budget coach. Tell me about what's a budget coach. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's so funny because that is usually the reaction that I get from most people. You know, the word budget seems to be as exciting to people as the word diet, right, <laughs> when you hear budget? Oh, yeah. Most, yeah, most people dread the word budget, much like the word diet. And I find that whether they're making $300,000 a year or $30,000 a year, people envision budgeting as something that creates deprivation. They see the budget as something that sets limitations and restrictions on them when they actually want to go out and buy or shop or meet a need. And for many, it brings up this feeling of struggle or scarcity. And the reason that I use it is that it is shocking, right? And I believe the complete opposite. I think that budgeting your dollars and your resources is actually empowering, and it actually provides people the ability to make real choices and gives them the confidence that they're actually the ones that are telling their money where to go instead of just letting it slip through their hands. So for me, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, are you a financial planner? No, I have a background in financial planning. I had my securities license for 14 years. I worked in that field. I did corporate individual taxes. Um, I owned an insurance agency for 18 years um, as an independent agent. But this budget piece, which is what allows people to create financial stability and security, is super important, and no one wants to talk about it, right? Like, even if you're talking about relationships and and how money struggles are, um, you know, at the top of the list for stress, right, money and kids. And um, I'm sure that with you as a relationship coach, a happiness coach, we, we tend to avoid this topic of money. Oh, we sure do. I mean, it can be something really tough to to deal with, and, and people don't even want to talk about it in their relationships because it takes away from the romance of it all. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah for sure, that, for sure. Know, that isn't even as fun. And I do want to remind people, and you know, when I do my happiness presentations in general, the researcher in positive psychology says that money, <clears throat> here's the thing, money does buy happiness. Here's the caveat, when you, when you don't have enough of it, if you have enough of it, in other words, if you have enough of it to pay bills, 
buy the things that you want to buy in, in general, enough of it. And you can save some, go on a vacation. When you pile a bunch more money on top of that, you don't increase happiness by that much. But the key is a lot of people aren't to that point where they have enough to save and do, do the vacation, buy some things they want. You know, they're not even to that point yet. So, you know, there's a lot of numbers thrown around there, Michelle, that I've read about. Like, in the U.S., you need 90000 to be happy. You need 100000 Here's the way I look at it. If you have a million dollars, but you're in debt $2 million, who cares about the number? It's about are you comfortable enough? That's where people really need to be. Are they saving? Do they have their retirement set up? Are they in, or whatever that might be to them, whatever happiness is for them in money, are they to that point where they're not living off credit cards or doing all those other things? That's really where we want to talk about. Are you um, budgeting the fact where you can save and you can be out of debt and you can do some of the things? You don't always have to say, no, we can't do that because of money. We don't want that. So, so in essence, I wanted to give people a little bit of background of there, uh, there where money and happiness lies. Yeah. So, so you can kind of take it from there. So there's, there's finances, there's stability, and there's consistency. I know that, you know, we had mentioned talking about that a little bit. So with all that being said, where do you kind of want to start in terms of um, helping our folks today? I think you hit on something really interesting, right, around this whole concept of where people are with money. And, you know, I think what's interesting is the older that I get, I'm most impressed, and and you probably can relate to this, right, when you come across someone that seems to have it all together in this area of money. And I don't mean wealth, right, or affluence. I just mean that they have enough, right? An unexpected expense pops up, and it's covered. And a purchase that seems random or spontaneous, in a, whenever there's an emergency, right, the car breaks down, it, they seem to handle it without drama. And the difference between that group of people is that the expenses that pop up were actually planned, and they weren't really that random, right? They didn't know it when they were budgeting their money or resources all along, until they really started seeing the impact of putting a little bit away for auto repairs each month and a little bit away for their vacation, they didn't realize a lot of times that they were preparing to make purchases, not just for the things that they really wanted, but most importantly for the things that they needed, really to make real choices easy, right? So I think that that's the power in being able to look at how you handle money, right? So you took you talked a little bit about... Um, you know, financial consistency and financial stability. It's, it's, it's what I teach. I always say, when people say, you know, how do you, how do you get people to get change out of their heads and into their life? And for me, I, I almost say I'm their pause and assess coach, right? Because everywhere we turn, it's, marketing is so powerful. The money that's being spent between credit card companies, I mean, listen, I, I'm not to hash on Credit Karma, but it's super easy for us today as a consumer to go and pull our credit score on Credit Karma, right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. the dollars that are being spent, when you go there, there's this ease of transaction where you can get your credit score and then right below have 15 offers at your fingertips. And and it's the same thing. I mean, today, if you decide that you want to go and, you know, pick up a dog at the pet, food, at the, at the pet store, you can walk in and have your dog put on 12 months, same as cash. You need new furniture, 12 months, same as cash. Car payments that used to be 36 months, now, instead of 60 months, are now at 72 months. I, I'm shocked when I meet with clients and I see that they signed up for a six- or seven-year car loan payment. And we all know the numbers, right? As soon as you drive off the lot... Generally, it's depreciated by, you know, 25 to 40%. And yet, because we're trying to figure out what payment we can afford to maintain our lifestyle, and what I find is that people don't bring into their lifestyle the, the things that are actually necessary that they should be planning for, like saving and retirement. Um, and I think that, that that's the most important piece, is really doing an assessment of your complete lifestyle design right? When you bring in not just the bills with the due dates, right? If I, if I said, oh, let's sit down and, and tell me what money in, money out looks like for you. Any client will sit down and list for me 
the mortgage, the rent, the car insurance, the things that have due dates, right? Super easy. They can tell me what they are for the most part. Some fluctuate like an electric bill or oil or heating and that kind of thing. But for the most part, they have a set, you know, a set amount for their cell phone bill, their cable bill. But when they do this process, they leave out so many things. So it's looking at the whole lifestyle because here's what happens. When we're only looking at the bills with due dates, we're actually running in place all the time. And we know we have this guilt and shame that we walk around with because we know that there should be more, and we really aren't sure where it's going, right, because we're not bringing the whole entire lifestyle design to the table. We're not looking at school lunches. You know, I had I had four new clients that I picked up in June that I was working with in coaching one-on-one, and all of them had children. And when I gave them the assessment forms and then we sat down shoulder to shoulder to go through those forms, no one put school lunches or anything in the school category. And so, of course, I'm inquiring, going, hey, you know, I see you have three little ones running around. And, you know, I'm just curious, you know, do they eat lunch at school? What's their process? And all of them said, oh, no, no, they eat at school, but they're not in school right now, right? So it immediately comes off the, I need to work on this piece. But what happens in July and August, if you continue to do little pockets of savings into, you know, a category called school, when they come home that first week in September and the first day they have medical bills, I'm sorry, medical forms, and then the second day they come home with the fundraising envelope that needs to be filled out and they want to check for fundraising, and the third day is school photos, right? You're filling out checks for all of those things. And yet there was no assignment of dollars to a category, something as simple as school, right? School activities, field trips, those types of things. So I think that so many Americans today are running in place and feeling as though they're not getting ahead because they're not doing a full assessment of their complete lifestyle design. Make sense? Oh, my goodness. That really makes sense. And it's different for everybody. So, you know, I could imagine that – you can really help people figure out for their lives specifically, you know, what they should be holding back. Um, because there's savings, but there's also stuff that you have that is there, but you don't even think about. Like, I know I was just speaking with you, Michelle, too, that I myself am, am changing the way I do my saving. Because there's a certain part of the year where I don't teach. Um, I teach counseling. Right, and right. I wasn't planning um, correctly for those times. I did have a stash of money, but I really don't want to use that stash anymore. So it's like, okay, Lori, get on the ball. Now you have to have another piece of savings from your bills onto the when I'm not working stash right, and then right. another, another stash for um, other things. I don't yeah. want to have too many, but I, I need to think through a little bit better. But boy, would it be great to work with somebody like you who can help, especially those of you in relationships and you have families. It's not just, it's usually not just two people. It's the family stuff that you can get maybe another four categories. It doesn't have to be overwhelming, I can imagine, that you have that money to say, whoo, I can just go there, you know, when I need to. If you have a home, you know you should have a home budget. Yes. Yep. Because there's another big one. Um, to have. So, so there's, I, I would imagine you do a really good job in customizing it for people. Absolutely. And I think that's the key. So I'm a Dave Ramsey um, certified coach. So I follow his principles. Um, he believes in the seven baby steps, right? So that the first place you start is you have an emergency fund. And it's a small emergency fund because if you're starting out, you know, um, you may, a normal emergency fund would be three to six months of your monthly expenses built up into a money market or a savings account, not invested in the market, obviously, because Mm -hmm. if you needed, if there was a life transition that occurred, a loss of a job, anything at all, right, that you've got this place to be able to go. But we first start with $1,000 in an emergency fund, okay? I will tell you that 66% of Americans, and I will tell you that probably 90% of my clients that come to me that are making over $150,000 a year do not have $1,000 in a bank account. And, wow, and really? It, does that blow your mind? And, yeah, it does. And, and 24% of their take-home pay is going to credit card debts, student loan payments, car loan payments, right? So immediate, not even mortgages, out the door, 24%. So it's, 
what happens is we have access to credit, right? We have a home equity line that we can tap, or we have a credit card if there's an emergency. So the emergency fund itself doesn't seem so important. And we build our lives around the fact that if something pops up, we generally have access to credit. And what it does is it gives this false sense of security, right, of being in what I call stability mode, right? It gives you a false sense of security because if something happens, you just you can run over here and get it, but you're not prenaming those dollars. And what, happen, what happens with those dollars? We spend them. We shop more. We eat out more. We don't necessarily save for retirement. Um, and, and I'm not about, for me, like I said earlier, the budget is not meant to be a tool of scarcity. I completely believe that it has to be something different. And I have so many people that come to me. That I have a client that came to me just eight weeks ago that said, listen, I got a $30,000 raise in January. I yet to have saved any extra. I have a $30,000 raise. My wife and I make $130,000 a year combined, and I just got a $30,000 raise and I haven't saved a dime. I know I need to do something differently. And and that's what happens. You know, people that aren't really looking at the money in and the money out on a month-to-month basis, if they're on a weekly pay scale, they get paid every week, there's months during the year where you get super excited if you're a budgeting person because there's five pay periods, not four. And my clients know exactly when that fifth week is happening. They know what month it's happening, and they know what they're going to do with it. We all get excited about tax returns if you have a tax return, right, if you're not in, in business or, you know, upside down on the tax situation. But for the most part, people have those dollars. We name our tax return dollars well in advance, right? We know that April's coming. We're going to spend it on paying off credit cards, the Christmas hangover. We're going to take a vacation. We're going to fix things that, unfortunately, in the house because there wasn't a home improvement fund, as you just talked about, we name those dollars to home improvement projects. We name them to vacations, paying off credit cards, mm-hmm. and, and we wait. Okay, that tax return is coming. It's going to be a couple thousand dollars, and we, but we don't do it with our, our normal income, right? Our normal income seems to just sort of go out the door. And I love what you said, Lori. You said, you know, I realize how important it is that I have to, I have to save I have to make saving a priority, and not just retirement saving, right? Because I think a lot of people are good at, you know, when they're, when they're in a position with a job and they're given a choice to do a 401K or a retirement option, they're doing that. They're doing a 3% because they get the match from the employer. But what they're doing mm-hmm. is they're also racking up credit cards and paying 24.99% on a credit card to get a 3% match over in their retirement account at work. So it's completely backwards, right? And so, you know what? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go no, ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I can't help but think for, that this is a mindset change. Here's the issue: talking to someone who enjoys, you know, spending. <clears throat> I can be really disciplined when I need to be, and this is what's really good. And I'm so excited about about my that my mindset change because of what you and I have talked about already before this show, <clears throat> but. It's a mindset change because we can see the water bill. We can see the car note. We can see, and we can't see the upcoming heating and cooling breakdown. Right, right. Snow removal. In the the spring, we're not thinking about snow removal. (laughs) Yeah. We can't see the um, refrigerator going belly up. But the mindset change, and this is what I really want to reiterate to people, is it's there. You just can't see it. Like, I was forced all my life in higher education to, thank goodness, I have a great retirement situation in terms of what I'm in. But I I was forced to do it. And if you can't see it, you don't think it's there. So why don't we make it real as a budget coach? We make that real because if we're in our relationships long enough, we know that they're real. So now we can say, here's that thing that you know is going to happen. So here's the money for that. And then here's the money for the other thing. And here's the savings for when we want to go out and buy some or whatever we're using it for, Um, maybe for vacations or whatever we decide to use it for. Um, So people have to make that mindset change, add to that, and make it like a real bill. 
so you go, okay, I'm really not done paying bills. Here's the other two categories. Now I'm done paying bills. Now here goes the extra 50 bucks to pay to the savings or whatever you can do and make that real. And, you know, it's so interesting because what you're bringing up is exactly the way our grandparents handled money, right? When you think about it, I mean, you you know, um, what did our grandparents do, right? They saved for a... A rainy day, right? They had a rainy day fund. I know, you know, my grandmother back in the day, she, you know, the, she had the Christmas club. So every single week she would run down to the bank and put that 5 or $10 in the Christmas club. You know, they, they had the money in the cookie jar. And I know it sounds so old school, but, you know, this is where, this is the difference between that generation that didn't have access to credit and our generation, that it's just super, super easy. And I think because we watched them work very, very, very hard, too, the mindset that we have is, I want it now. And honestly, when our, when our mindset changed, the marketing is right there to feed that. And I think now, you know, we see this new generation of, of people embracing minimalization, right? Like tiny houses. And because I'm watching this new generation come up, and they're not buying $450,000 houses, right? They're going to take the trip to Europe, and they're going to do it now. And they're willing to – most of them are, are looking at what their parents have done. And even though they may have had security in their jobs, they may have lost their job after 25 years of giving their life to somebody else, right? And so mm-hmm. I, this, new, this next generation that I'm watching is they're actually – even though they haven't been educated around handling money, they are they're looking at it differently because they've seen what our generation or this last generation that their parents have struggled with. I work with a lot of kids that are right out of college, right? And they're coming out, and the, the sad part for them is they're coming out with mounds of student loan debt. My average student that, or graduate that I work with has $70,000 of student loan debt. It's unbelievable. And they're coming out, and they're, they're going into teaching. You know, they, I have a girl who, you know, has a top-notch education in hospitality and event planning and is making $15 an hour at a Marriott with $79,000 worth of student loan debt to pay off. You know, how do you even manage that? But they're, they're willing, when they get the education, because this is the piece that's missing too, no one's talking about this stuff in school. Our kids from fifth grade on are learning algebra, geometry, trigonometry, statistics in high school, calculus. Then they move on to college. It's all higher-level math. No one's teaching personal finance, right? So they come out. My stepson's a great example of this. He, you know, five-year engineering degree, phenomenal job. And he called me about, hey, can, do you think it's so cool for me to finance a mattress? And um, I'm going to be buying a mattress, and I'm being offered 12 months of cash. And I'm like, what are you doing about your student loan debt? And um, he's like, well, you know, I'm making the minimum payments. Well, that's a 20-year plan. And it was never designed that our education was going to be a mortgage. And that's, that's what they're faced with, right? So yeah. getting, getting a, a clear view of how strapped that can make 20 years of your life or changing your mindset – Factoring in what your goals are, right, it's, it really comes down to what are your goals, right? For me, working with clients, when I started doing this work, I literally was just like, I'm going to build budgets for people, give them slick and fun tools, change their mindset, and send them on their way. But what happened was the longer I worked with people, the, the clearer I was that, was that money alone does not equal prosperity, right? Even when the numbers line up, if people don't feel prosperous and secure and supported within themselves, all the money in the world doesn't solve the problem, even when they have a functional budget, right? They become like uprooted trees waiting for the ax to fall. And what I found is that as I started to help people understand their finances, we started to dip into like their money habits, their beliefs around money, their fears. Those are all pl- prosperity blocks, right? They had nothing to do with dollars and cents on the budget, but the blocks, were a lot of times lifelong patterns that were triggered by some change in their life, a, a, a transition, or passed on to them because of the way that they were brought up. So when I work with clients, as much as I love building the budget and working through the functional pieces of things, 
I've learned that helping them stake their trees in six areas, the, you know, the, finance, the finances, their emotions, how do, they, how do they handle their emotions? Do they go out and spend? Do they have habits, you know, that need to be broken? For me, you know, I, I talk about this in my workshops. I, when I looked at my habits, really, really took a deep dive into my habits, I was hitting Dunkin' Donuts drive through every morning. Right? I didn't need to stop. I had a Keurig. It was one of my two prized divorce possessions. I had a Keurig and a couch. And I would make my coffee in the morning, dump out half of it on my way out the door, drop my son at school, and hit the Dunkin' Donuts drive through before I hit the highway to go to my office. And here's what happened. When I actually started doing this deep dive into looking at my lifestyle, right, post-divorce, something had to give, right? And when I looked at my 30-day Dunkin' Donuts habit, it was $247. That's a wow. Yeah. Multiply it by 12, it's $2,900, right? Then wow. I thought, okay, Michelle, <laughs> $3,000 is your coffee habit. What are you doing when you, you know, now I'm going out to lunch, we're going out to dinner. And I made the decision I was going to consciously look deeper. And when I looked at just my eating out that month, it was $918, right? So now multiply that by 12. It's another eleven grand. Those two things, just eating out and coffee, came to almost $14,000. And in my case, because I had just gone through the divorce, I knew that I had a settlement payment period to my ex-husband for 4.9 years, and I multiplied that number, and it came up to a whopping $68,500. So I, over almost less than five years, was letting $68,000 slip through my hands on coffee and lunches. Oh, my gosh. $68,000. Oh, I hate to think about that because I love to go out to eat. <laughs> me too. And, and let me tell you something. I didn't stop, right? So this is what I say to people. It's not about going into scarcity mode, right? Oh, I'm just going to stop doing that. No. What you do is you make a conscious effort about what small changes you can make. So I didn't stop getting my coffee. I just stopped going to DD, and I stopped somewhere where coffee was a dollar six right? It was a dollar. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. um, I didn't change necessarily the whole entire thing, right? Because when you do that, we're in scarcity mode and long-term change isn't possible, right? It's when you change one thing at a time and you start to see the impact. But the most important piece was knowing why I wanted to change it, right? What's the outcome that I wanted? I wanted to have financial stability because here's what happened for me. When you go through a life transition, whether that's divorce, I mean, we were together 23 years, split everything in half now. So all of the retirement dreams, all of the, re all of the retirement savings, all of the savings, 23 years, split in half. So you have to rethink where you're at, right? Yeah. If, if you right. lose a spouse unexpectedly, if you lose your job unexpectedly, it requires a reset button. And, it's, it's, and what happens is when we're in an emotional state, when those types of life transitions happen, we're in an emotional state, right? We're grieving, we're angry, we're raw, hurt, whatever it may be. Who wants to look at money when they're hurting? No one. And so it really requires, like you said, a mindset change to understand that if your definition of prosperity is X, that you need to know what it is and then start to map out how you're going to get there. And it's those little changes that you may not change everything, but you might look at it deep enough to say, if I make this one change, it's going to result in me being this much closer to that prosperity vision that I have for my own life, not my neighbors, not my cousins, my life. And I think it makes change easier or, you know, and for some people, like me, I'm like, I'm not going to change everything. I'll just make more money, right? So what can you do? Is there a side hustle? Or what are you gifted and talented in that you can bring to the world? It's looking at the whole picture. But again, not from the perspective of just I can't spend, but more from a perspective of what do I want my life to look like? And that, that's what I love about what you do. It's about looking at the happiness factor, right? Not the scarcity and sadness factor. Imagine if you had a show that was called The Sadness Factor. Would anybody listen? Hell no. <laughs> well, you know, you know, when you think about it, when you think, you know, I did the happiness thing out very much for that reason, but, you know, finances is something that I really, you know, is kind of that word comes up, but, but, you know, the more you're talking, and I would say this to our listeners too, if you think, wouldn't it be powerful, isn't it empowering to say, wait a minute, I just realized I could take 
get rid of a few little things that, that I would just be as happy doing them another way that's less expensive. And I could take that money and I could have the power to say, I'm going to put this in the savings or I'm going to create one other account that's for other stuff. Even if you have to start small, you know, and say that way I can be at ease and be happier going. I have now I have this account going for the other stuff, whether it be house stuff or vacation or whatever. And then I have the savings on top of it. And now I can feel empowered to go. Something happens. I can go. Yeah. You know what? It's at least I'm not like before and throwing it on the credit card or I don't feel like, oh, my God, I have to throw it on the card or I have to uh, I have to just scrounge it up from somewhere else. And it's taking away. You want to take away the mindset of taking away. So now you can always say, I got these two other things. If something happens, I got this. What a feeling of ease and a feeling of less stress just to put you in the happiness mode. And when you're in relationships, to have less stress in your relationships. I'm excited. I'm excited now that with the next pay, I'm back on track again because I'm back at the college again, that I can start this new mindset because we've been on break a long time, Michelle. And I've had, and I've been you know, willy-nilly doing this, and now I have a mindset. And those listeners out there, start slow. So even to think of the fact I'm powerful enough to take $25 out of my pay and put it over here for myself, that I'm powerful enough to do that, it's, I think that's really leads you to happiness. Yeah, I do, and I, I totally agree with you. And I think that, you know, remember a couple of years ago um, there were posts I'm trying to remember, it was like save a dollar a day. You start with a dollar, and then every day you add another dollar. You double it, double it, double it, double it. And um, by the time you get to the end of the year, you have X number of dollars, right? So how many of us, I'm I'm certain hundreds and hundreds of your listeners tried that, right? I tried it. I was like, this is easy. I can do a dollar today and two dollars tomorrow. But it isn't easy, right? By week six, it was actually a pretty decent number. And you're like, wait a minute. And so... These processes of saving or forcing ourselves to save that way without doing this full assessment of our lifestyle leads to us beating ourselves up, right, or or feeling guilty about the fact that we don't do it right. Um, You know, the guilt and shame is huge, and the stress, right? So when you talk about taking away the happiness factor, it's pretty stressful. When you have to rob from Peter to pay Paul, Right when your when your kid comes home and says, "Hey, you know, we've got this field trip to Boston or you know to Washington D.C. It's our eighth grade trip, and you know you need to come up with eight hundred dollars between now and you know three months from now." It's pretty difficult if you aren't prepared for those things. So I think that you know the key is looking at the whole picture. Right, I I hone people about really doing a full view assessment and not leaving anything off the table. You know, animals, huge, right? If you have an animal, you know, pet food, we all include that, but so many times people forget the pet medicine, right, the flea and tick stuff. They forget about just an emergency fund for the pet care. You have to go to the vet. Mm -hmm. So you think about home repairs, auto repairs, you've got to think about pets. And so having a full view of what, what your lifestyle looks like and bringing it all on paper, it sometimes it's scary, right? Um, because mm-hmm. you have to face the fact if there isn't enough, well, what am I going to do with that? And a lot of people feel like, well, there mustn't be enough because I would not be using credit cards. But looking at what the real number is and what your real lifestyle when you bring everything in cost a year is the first place to start. Because if it is the lifestyle that you want to continue with, then you'll figure out a way. You know, I really believe that when you know the number, the, it, it'll start to appear because you'll start to become resourceful with, you know, your own gifts and talents. You'll start to become resourceful with making small changes because you're clear about what it is you really want. Does that make sense? Oh, my gosh, totally. It's, it's, like, it's like the unknown is the scariest thing. So yeah. if you have a number in mind that you really have or you know how much once you do your assessment what it's going to take, you're right. You just sort of... It's like a goal. It's like it feels less scary, so it's like a baby step, baby yeah. step after baby step after baby step, that eventually yeah. you you just say, you know what, I, I love the idea of being less stressed. Like you said, there are lots of people out there who like their Dunkin' Donuts, and it's not, you don't have to give it up. You can say, I can have something at home. I would say I'm that way with wine. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love yeah. my tea that I make at home. I love going to Panera every once in a while as a treat and getting um, getting the their uh, oatmeal. But and I but I don't do it that often. But I love making my iced tea at home. It's the way I like it. So, but my issue is, you know, I love cocktail hour sometimes nearing Me the end too. of the week. Yep, so absolutely. We have figured out a way to do cocktail hour at home. It's so much less expensive. We enjoy it. And it's just, it's so, we laugh about it. Were we doing cocktail hour? Yes. And we made a thing about it, how much we love it. I've spent way less money in the summer because I did an outdoor space for myself. Do I want to go out in the summer? Nope. I have it set up so I can have this wonderful summertime. But yeah, I you're an oasis. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I have to get better at that. But I have to be more cognizant of it. Is make your fun in other ways because in happiness, it's not things that make you happy. It's experiences. So I created an experience around my home that, you know, I have my iced tea here. I have my wine here. We do stuff outside in my little space that I haven't spent that much money to make the way I love it. So we got to get in that mindset and then you're happier because it's not about things. It's about experiences. Things go away. Experiences are memories that you can keep with you and keep having for little money. Absolutely. I 100% agree. And it, and it, and yeah. it's mostly, it's, it's taking back that control, right? And knowing that, I think getting really keen on how the marketing is, you know, how the world markets to us. Um, you know, they, they talk about how the game of life doesn't have money anymore, you know, and Monopoly, there's like an electronic version and, you know, shopping Barbie has a MasterCard in her hand you know, with a cash register. It starts at that level. It's crazy that, that it would start at that level that the marketing messages to a three-year-old little girl that has shopping Barbie has a Visa card or a MasterCard in her hand, you know? Oh, that's and crazy. It, yeah, it, it's pretty crazy. But I love I love right. what you said, and I think that um, it's different for everybody, right? I think that the most important piece, and I say this with clients all the time, if you if you don't know what you're shooting at, you're 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 really not getting anywhere. You just are going to run in place. And as you know, when you set goals and you have visions for you know what it is you want in your life, it's so much easier to attain it. And and if it's difficult, you can you can stay in a state of gratitude. What is working? And most importantly, it's and I think you know people say how do, how do you do this without judgment? Well, because I've been there in my in my early twenties. I was a train wreck, a train wreck, and um, what, I worked three jobs to clean it up, and then I swore I'd never go back. And luckily for me, I didn't. And when I got divorced and everything was split in half, um, I was a little scared about going back. Not in the first nine months. In the first nine months, I didn't look at money at all. I thought we just spent a year talking about money, fighting about money going over money, money was the last thing I wanted to think about when the divorce was over. It was the last thing. And so, you know, because a big chunk of the divorce process is figuring out how to divide assets and who's going to keep the house and kids' expenses, distributing debt, if there is any, it doesn't matter. Even if you're a millionaire, splitting up the finances causes one or both parties super super big strain, and it rattles your security. Even if the marriage was shaky, it, that was at least security, right? Now you take away all of the security of that, and when you start to talk about, you know, money, you're bringing up people's deepest fears and feelings about security, identity, and self-worth. And so for me, it's trying to hold a space for clients that you've got that you've got to have them looking out the windshield. I'm sure that you've used this analogy before too. No matter what the past looks like, right? I always say the the rearview mirror is smaller than the windshield for a reason, right? I want people to glance in the rearview mirror because if they've made some mistakes in the past, they need to glance when they catch themselves going back to a pattern of, you know, maybe a a sabotaging pattern around money or spending or whatever it may be. Um, But they've got a glance. If they spend all their time looking at what they did in the past and how they handled money, they're going to crash. So I always remind people, you know what, it's there, it's smaller, we're looking outward. We're, we're looking down happiness road, right, prosperity road, as I call it. And um, it, it definitely helps people um, release some of the guilt and shame that comes with what, what happens around money if they haven't handled it well. So I love that piece. Mm-hmm. I love watching people shed those layers and step into, you know, a, a piece of preparedness and ownership and empowerment around the fact that their future can be so much better than the past. 
Right. We're with budget coach Michelle Jakovic. And Michelle, as we wrap up, I really want to give you some time to talk about your new book. Um, And we're, we're kind of at the divorce piece, too. So and we've been talking about that as well. And I would imagine, you know, you've been through the divorce. So I would imagine that's part of the inspiration for the book. But tell us more about whatever you want to tell us about the book. We'd love to hear it. So thanks. So the book itself is is really, it, originally, I, you know, I write some of my own story in the book um, and the transition that I went through with divorce. Um, and I share a lot of my clients' stories. You know, my clients are great enough to say, you know, change the name, share, share what you need to. I want to help other women as well. Um, but what I really wanted the book to do is I wanted it to be a workable piece where somebody would come in, get what they need in terms of not being alone, having some structure around, you know, what does need to happen after the transition of divorce. And most importantly, that at the end of each chapter, there's action items, right? So that they can I've had people over this past week, the book just launched last week on Valentine's Day, and um, my inbox has been flooded from people. You know, oh my gosh, I cried when I read the vows to yourself, and I laughed when you talked about your therapist, Bob, and you know, it's all good stuff. And now this last couple days, I'm getting emails saying, oh, there's a process here that you're leading me into, right? You're, you're getting me to look at my habits. You're getting me to look at my emotions. You know, I haven't wanted to look at my emotions. I had a woman yesterday that emailed me that said, I've been divorced eight years, haven't wanted to look at any of this. And on the other side of it, I've had, you know, people that have purchased the book and they are happily married. They're remarried, but they never handled any of this stuff after the divorce. And in the marriage, they're not talking about money. So they thought, you know, I figured I'd read it. I had a woman on on Monday reach out to me and said, you know, listen, I lost my husband four years ago. I'm a widow. I, ha- I need help. Like, th- this process, can it help me? Yes. Lifestyle redesign planning is a process. And what I've done in, in the book is I've spelled out how to work yourself through the six pillars, right? Looking at the financial pillar, looking at your emotional pillar, looking at the habits pillar, looking at work and family. For me, you know, I decided I had been in business for 17 years. And, you know, after I went to divorce, you know, up until 2009, things were rosy. You know, I was married, had the two kids. I was a partner in a very successful multi-million dollar sales revenue business. And then we got divorced and life changed dramatically. Luckily for me, my ex-husband and I, we parent well together. He can come over here and watch football on Sundays with my son. We have a very good foundation around how we've parented beyond the divorce. Very, very proud of that. But it required me to rethink and reprioritize my life in order to regain my financial footing. And in 2014, I decided that the price I was paying to keep the business running and 14 employees, it was taking a toll not just on myself, but on my kids. And I was missing everything. And so again, I knew something needed to change. And I had to look at if I were to step away from the business and retire so I could be more available to to them, what would that look like? And again, I came back to the conclusion that I had to rethink and reprioritize and figure out what I was willing to make financial choices and changes around if I was going to do something totally drastically different from where I was. So this interest and passion came through having to muster through my own life's transitions. And I think what the book Prosperity After Divorce does is it gives people the foundational process of how to get through that, how to look at creating financial consistency and financial stability, but really looking at it from a perspective of their goals, their lifestyle, their business design, and then the action steps. So the book becomes the accountability partner. You know, I talk about it really gives them the deep roots that they need, right? So instead of being a tree that's just swaying and they're kind of like sitting on this weak foundation, this helps them shore up the foundation. So that's what I'm most excited about is that the book, you know, being out there now, I can reach more people with with the process and help them get more secure in how to move through life's transitions, whether it's divorce or anything else. So, Mm yeah, yeah. And women, obviously, like the common mistakes. Remind us of the common mistakes people make. The biggest mistake that I see is that people avoid the work, right? I mean, this mm. this is yeah. whether they're married, coming out of college, you know, knowing that they have student loan debt. 
if they're looking for retirement options in a few years. You know, you talked about retirement and knowing that you've, you know, you've been able to secure a good nest egg for retirement, but really looking at it. I have, you know, three new clients that are all just recently retired in January, and um, they're sitting pretty, but they also want to make sure as they step into this transitional phase, right, this next chapter, what does it look like? You know, am I going to spend $10,000 a month or should I be spending $4,000 a month, right? And a piece of that has to do with a great financial planner who can chart out what life will look like for you. But here's the piece that's missing. The financial planner might meet with you once a year, right, to say here's, here's your financial health, here's the health of your investments, and, and we've rolled your you know, money from here over to your own individual retirement account. Um, and most people today don't have pensions, right? So they're working with just what was saved through their working years. And, um, you know, I tell the story when I speak about Colonel Sanders. You know, he got to 63 years old and went to collect Social Security and realized he couldn't, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And he had to go back out and figure out how he was going to make ends meet. And he started going and peddling his recipe for five cents a chicken to area restaurants, and the rest is history. But, you know, (laughs) we're not all Colonel Sanders, (laughs) right? So many people... Right. They get to that point in retirement. They can't live off of their Social Security. They banked on certain things. Divorce is a great example of that, right? They banked on a certain amount of assets to be available, and then boom, you know, there's this this term now called gray divorce because it's so common that people divorce in their 50s and 60s. It's a pretty scary thing. So I think that, you know, the solution is not avoiding the work. It's really being willing to take a look at what your version of prosperity is, what's your happiness factor, and then being a willing to do an assessment of life through today's lens, not some false lens, right? And then taking some action to look at what your top financial goals are, your top life goals are, and then uncover the fears and the emotions and the identity stuff that comes up when you start to look at what would your redesigned life look like, right? And hold that vision and path mm-hmm. to get there. So that's the work that I do. You know, um, people could find my book on Amazon. It, again, it's Prosperity After Divorce. Um, it just hit Kindle a couple days ago, and, and it's in paperback. And they can also go to my website. Um, my website is Michelle Jacobic, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-J-A-C-O-B-I-K.com to learn more about my programs and services. I've got some great resources there. I have a couple of e-books, um, Five Keys to Financial Freedom. I also have a, a small divorce support book called Five Things That You Should Know Before Accepting a Settlement. Um, and I've got some debt calculators on there, some great tools that are available to people if they visit the website. And, Lori, I would love to invite any of your listeners who might be tuned in tonight an opportunity to have a conversation about what they're struggling with. So I offer a 15-minute, you know, just a discovery conversation where we can talk about some of the biggest pain points that they might be having in their life around creating or working with a budget, right? It sounds easy, but so many people, they just need that extra layer of support. So sometimes it's just a 15-minute phone conversation that they need to be able to talk about the areas that they're struggling in to get it off the ground. And, um, and I can certainly share some things or talk to them about how they can access my programs. Well, that's, that's phenomenal that uh, you're willing to do that and get people going. Because sometimes it's just taking the first step is the scary part. And a lot of people are afraid of money and finance, especially if they weren't the ones doing it um, and they're getting divorced or they never, or if they are in a current relationship and they're not the ones doing it, but they just know they need to do something. So I think that's, that's a great, um, service to provide people to kind of get them started. That little step, it doesn't cost them anything to say, hey, it's okay. You know, there's exactly. people out there to help you. So um, well, what a wonderful conversation. Now, we have Michelle Jacobic, who is a finance, money, and budget coach, um, focusing, uh, has her new book out, Money and Prosperity. And tell us the full name of the book again. It's Prosperity After Divorce. Take charge of your finances and create the life you really want using my lifestyle redesign planning. And it's well, available on Amazon. 
That says it all there. Um, yeah. Very, very good. Well, that's that's great. And um, we hope that uh, this has enlightened some of, some of you, uh, hopefully all of you, and that it has put you in a position to not have fear around it, to know you've heard Michelle talk, that you can get out there and get the ball rolling with this if you've been avoiding it. So, oh, um, Michelle, you know, it's happiness. been wonderful to, to have you on the Happiness Hangout. Thank you, Lori. It's been great to be here. I feel happier just being in your presence, and your energy is great. I think that, you know, your listeners are super, super, super lucky to have you out here on the airway, you know, the airwaves talking about um, how to create a positive mindset and how to bring more happiness and gratitude into your life. I love what you're doing. Well, thank you so much. I love doing it. So um, you want to get to Michelle again. Michelle, that website one more time. It's Michelle Jacobic, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-J-A-C-O-B-I-K, MichelleJacobic.com. Wonderful. Well, Michelle, once again, thanks for being on the Happiness Hangout. Thanks so much, Lori. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and I'll talk with you soon. Great. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Getting Married at Last, My Journey from Hopelessness to Happiness. Get my book on Amazon Kindle and in paperback. If you're looking for a dating coach, Lori Peters is available. So make sure that you check out my dating coach services over at kickstartlove.com. This is Lori Peters signing out for the Happiness Hangout. We'll see you next time. Hi, this is your host, Lori. Want to get more happiness? Check out all the free readings, activities, and my blog at my website. Want to learn how to deal with life's challenges from your positive core? Check out Empowering Yourself to Happiness class, done totally online. You can find it all at www.happinesshangout.net. www.happinesshangout.net. Come explore and feel better wherever you are. This is Lori Peters with the Happiness Hangout. I provide presentations on happiness and well-being to businesses, schools, and anyone involved in wellness and professional days. Check out tons of free resources and activities also at my website, www.happinesshangout.net. Feel better wherever you are. Help us grow the Happiness Hangout Show. Become a sponsor. Businesses and nonprofits get your info out there to thousands of my listeners all over the world for just pennies. Individuals can also sponsor one or more shows, and you get a shout-out to your favorite charity. Several packages available. Come see what you get and put out there what's important to you. Go to www.happinesshangout.net www.happinesshangout.net for more information.